the Apostle John starts by saying in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is God's word. So, if you missed last week, go back and listen to Denton's sermon as he expounds this entire paragraph. I'm going to just very quickly walk through because what John says is necessary for what we're going to be diving into. John highlights that in the beginning was the word, and as Denton pointed out, the word that is used here is logos. So, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through this word. Everything that exists, exists because of this word. In him, in the word through which all things were made, was life. And that life was the light of men. So we have the word, we have the logos, all things being made through him, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness. And what's awesome here is that it says, and the darkness has not overcome it. Not that the darkness will not overcome it, but that the darkness has not. The victory is already won. John, in his opening paragraph, says, it's done. Victory is here. You've got nothing to fear. There is life in the word. There is light in the life, and that has overcome the darkness. It's already done. Mic drop. We can walk away. That is awesome. Then we get to our text, which when you hit verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That just gets really choppy. It just seems, it's, it's just, it breaks the flow, the momentum that he had going. It's almost like, what are you doing here? Well, John here, he's talking about this light, and he's going to keep talking about the light as we've already read, but he takes a moment to pause and says, that guy most of you have heard of, John the Baptist, yeah, he's not the light. So we could easily move on from there and keep talking about the light. But I want to highlight some things here in verses 6 through 8 that um, really highlight John as being the witness. And so I'm going to try to keep saying John the Apostle and John the Baptist to keep the two Johns from being confused. But, um, but John the Apostle writes, there was a man. So that should give us pause here because he's been talking about the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. And now he says there was a man. So this was a man. He wasn't from heaven. 
He wasn't some angelic being. He wasn't some glorious apparition of, uh, of the Lord. He was a man. And he was sent from God. So he comes with authority. So this man, whose name was John, was sent from God. So we need to listen to him. What he is having to say to us is important. And what he says, says in verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. So that was why God sent John, was to point people to the light, to point people to life, to point people to the word. That is why John came. But he didn't just come to say, hey, FYI, yeah, the light's over here. It wasn't just some intellectual knowledge. It wasn't just something that was good to know. But John says, John the Apostle says that the witness, he came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So the purpose of John the Baptist coming was to say, look at the light and believe in him. Look over here and believe in him. Now, John the apostle and John the Baptist were Jews, and John the Baptist's ministry was to the Jews at the time, and the Jews had all of the prophets. The Jews had the, the law. They had all of the history of God delivering them and rescuing them and saving them, and yet God sent John the Baptist to tell everybody to look at the light, to look at the word, not to your laws, not to the teachers that were around the religious leaders, but look to the light, believe in him. That was the purpose of John being sent. So, and we know that this is very important because John says it three times. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Very important. He says it three times in three verses. So we're going to file that away, and we're going to circle back around to that um, at, at the end here. But very important that John is witnessing about the light. Then the apostle moves on to verse 9 to talk about the light in more detail. He says in verse 9, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So it's not just any light. This is the true light. It's not just some grand idea. This is the truth. Our culture today says the truth is in you. You, you are the light. If you watch any sort of reality show, any kind of singing competition, our guilty pleasure is watching the early stages of The Voice um, when and people get up there and the banter between the judges. But regularly, the judges will tell somebody like, you're the truth. You're the light. You're so great. You're so wonderful. And that sounds good. It makes us feel good. But that's not the true light. That it, John, the apostle, says the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Reading this, my mind is drawn back to Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 2 and 6, when Isaiah the prophet writes, hundreds of years before Christ actually came. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, 
On them has light shined. And then in verse 6, which most of us probably know or have heard at least a couple of times, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the true light which shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it was coming into the world. And this is a cause of rejoicing because at this point in time, the people were surrounded by darkness. And today, we are still surrounded by darkness. Talk to coworkers, talk to family members, talk to random people on the street. We live in a world that is surrounded by darkness. If you go anywhere outside of the Western world, the darkness seems to become a little bit more palpable. You can touch it, you can feel it in the air. It is, it is heavy, it is oppressive, it is there. Here in the States, when we think of, when we think of religion um, and non-religion, we think of science and we think of other things. And when we ask questions about what happened, so there's an accident out there, what happened? Who was at fault? Oh, well, you know, some guy was, didn't turn his turn signal on and turned and ran into another car or whatever. In Africa, when you ask there was an accident, who's at fault? What they mean was, which evil spirit did you annoy or did you do wrong that caused that accident to happen? So maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it's your, your parents' fault. They didn't appease the spirits enough, and so they're taking their vengeance out, their vengeance out on you. That's a common belief throughout much of the world. They are surrounded in darkness. Um, some of you may know this. Some of you may not know this. I served as a missionary in West Africa for two years. And the stories that I've heard and just the, the things that I've experienced there, it really comes alive when Africa is the dark continent. Um, doesn't mean that, yeah, a lot of places don't have electricity. Uh, doesn't mean that, uh, well, the Europeans, when they were settling Africa, they meant it's uncivilized. Um, but no, it is... There is a darkness that is in Africa because there is no light. People are bound up into spirit worship. They're bound up into um, Islam. They're bound into other religions. And there is darkness that's there. Uh, some of you have been to Nepal, uh, which is a Hindu country, uh, much like India, where they worship other gods. If you've ever been to a Hindu temple, there is one in Newburgh that you can go to. Uh, and that is quite an experience, going and actually watching them bathe idols. They'll pour milk on a statue and bathe it and clean it and give fruit at its feet to, to feed it. And that is darkness. And so while we might, in the Western world, in the Western mindset, not tend to think about darkness around us, there is a lot of darkness around us. And by God's grace... True light has shone into the darkness, and that darkness has not overcome it. John goes on to write, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So the true light came into the world, was in the world, and he reminds us what he has already said up, uh, up, up at the beginning, that the world was made through him, the world was made through the light, through the word, and then one of the saddest statements, the world 
did not know him. Through the word, through the light, all things were made. All things were made by him and for him and through him. And yet he came and the world did not know him. He made everything. He made all of us. We are made in the image of God. And when the light came, the world didn't know him. And that, to me, is one of the saddest statements in this opening part uh, of John's gospel. And then he goes on to say, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Not only did they not know who he was, but they rejected him. They cast him aside, and we will find out later on in John's gospel that they crucified him. Not only did they not know him, not only did they not receive him, but then they killed him for what he was claiming. The word, the light, the one in whom there is life, they rejected him and killed him because he was the light and they were in darkness and they didn't want the light to shine. The true light which enlightens everyone which shines into the world, tried to overcome him. But we know, by God's grace, the darkness didn't. John already declared it at the beginning, and darkness has not overcome it. And the true light won. In him is life, is what John writes. And that light enlightens and shines in the darkness. And then he says, in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. So yes, there are people who don't know him. There are people who do reject him. But then there are those who do receive him. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name. So it wasn't just welcoming him and saying, hey, Jesus is my homeboy, hanging out with Jesus. No, it's believing in his name, believing in the name of Jesus Christ, believing that he is the light, he is the word, he is God, believing what he came to accomplish to those who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that is amazing. We live in America where we demand our rights left and right. You can't tell me to do this. I have my rights. I have the right to do this. I have the right to do that. You can't tell me to be quiet. It's my right. Go to North Korea. You have no rights. You have the right to be treated however the government wants to treat you there. That's your right. Here, we see that the true light, the word, gives you the right. It's not something that you naturally have. It's not something that you're born with. You're not born with this right. This right is given to you. The right to become a child of God is given to you. And that is given to you by the word, by the light, the one through whom all things were made, gave you the right to become a child of God. Some friends of ours uh, adopted a, a son from India, 
And it was a two-year-long process that they started in 2018, I think. And um, they went to pick him up last November. So they've had him for just over a year now. And the whole process along the way, they got matched with a kid. They got his picture. They got everything. They started falling in love with him. He wasn't their son yet until the government of India signed the final paperwork and gave them the right to come to their country and take him home. And when they did, they showed up at the orphanage and said, here's all of our paperwork. Here is our right. He is our son. But they couldn't just walk in and take anyone. I did mission trips in Guatemala, worked in some orphanages there in college. Every single team member, myself included, with every single kid at that orphanage, you just want to take them home. You want to love on them. You want them to feel loved and to be a part of a family. But if we just take them, that's called kidnapping. Somebody has to give us the right to go in and take that child. And here, the right to become a child of God is given to us by God himself. When you receive Jesus, when you receive the word, when you believe in his name, God gives you the right to become his child. And that is an amazing statement, is that we are no longer just some created being. Yes, we've been made in the image of God, but now we are children of God. And that is just absolutely amazing. The apostle finishes out So verse 12, I'll read it again. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So that right is given to you to become a child of God and you become a child of God. As Jesus says in just a couple of chapters, in chapter three, he's talking to Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. And that new birth does not come by our will. It doesn't come by our parents' will. It doesn't come by the elders' will. Matt, Robert, Denton, myself, the deacons, anybody here who loves Jesus, they want everybody to become children of God. But it is not up to us. It is not up to our will that that happens. It is up to God's will that can happen. When I, was in, when I was in Africa, um, people would tell me, oh, so you're here to, um, to try to convince people to, to follow Jesus. And I said, no, I can't do that. Because if I can convince you to follow Jesus, what's to stop somebody else from coming behind me and convincing you to follow, somebody, to follow something else? But if God convinces you to follow Jesus, you'll never walk away. I had every single Muslim that I said that to was like, yeah, that's true. So go ahead. What do you want to tell me? So then I, w- I would be able to tell them about Jesus because from, that, from their perspective, I wasn't there trying to convert them. I was just there relaying a message from God. And they're like, all right, cool. I'll hear that message from God. And that is what the beauty of this is that when you are given the right to become a child of God, you are born again. Paul says in Colossians, uh, he says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
So you are delivered, you are rescued, you are redeemed from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light at that point. This here is the love of God. We lit the love candle this morning. I mentioned John 3.16. I want to read John 3.16 through 21. So getting into some unfamiliar territory for, for some of us, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now pause here. This is Jesus talking here. He's talking to Nicodemus when he's saying all of this. Jesus goes on, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So here is the true light, Jesus Christ coming into the world, the world not recognizing him. And Jesus says, it makes sense. They're in darkness. They love the evil things. They hate the light. Darkness doesn't want anything to do with the light. If you've ever walked into an old house um, that's crumbling, it's got bug infestation after bug infestation, and you flip on the lights and you see cockroaches, they don't stay around typically. When that light comes on, they scatter. They run away. And I know some of you in here, if it was me and I flipped on and I saw all these cockroaches, I'd be grossed out and freaked out. And, but Jesus says, it's common. That's how it's supposed to be. Darkness doesn't want to be in the light. It runs and hides because they love evil things and they hate the light. So Jesus isn't surprised when he comes into the world. That's why he came into the world to begin with. Because back in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned against God and we have inherited that sin nature. And so day after day, year after year, century after century, generation after generation, people try to do their own thing. The sin in the garden was Adam and Eve ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil so that they would know what was best for them. They wouldn't need God. And all the time, the world says, God, we don't need you. We don't need the light. We've got our own. We can see just fine in our own darkness. We'll do what we want to do. But God said, no, for God so loved the world that he sent his son into it. This is the love of God. So what do we do with all of this? Do we just say, cool, that's good. That's encouraging. Amen. We'll go home now. We can. We could do that. But I'm going to challenge two things. One, if you are here this morning and if you are listening online and you have never received the light, you have never believed in Jesus Christ, then I plead with you to come 
talk to me, come talk to Denton, to Robert, to somebody. If you're listening online, find our email address, info at evansvillechurch.com. You can email us. We would love to sit down and have coffee with you. We'd love to talk to you after the service about what it means to be in the light, about what it means to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the light. We, like John, are pointing and bearing witness to the light and pleading with you that you would believe. And so if you are here this morning, if you are listening online and you don't know the light or you have doubts, you question things, come and talk to us because we want to talk to you about this, the most important decision you will ever make, the most important conversation you could ever have is about the light, the true light, the word. If you are here and you say, yes, I have believed in the word. Yes, I have believed in the son of God and believed in his name. And I know that I have been saved and transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Then I say, praise God, but don't just stay there because we have a task in front of us that is given to us by Jesus himself. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. So here we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And now, just as the true light came into the world, we are also the light of the world. Just as John was bearing witness, so too are we to bear witness. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are children of God if we've believed in Jesus Christ and we've repented of our sins. We walked through this morning confessing sin, declaring our pardon, declaring the truth that Scripture says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. If you believe in his name, John says in his opening paragraphs that he gives you the right to become a child of God. And as a child of God, Jesus says it is our task to be put up on a stand so the world can see the light that is within us, the hope that is within us. We aren't to put it under a basket. We aren't to hide it. Uh, we, we are to be a city, a beacon, a city set up on the hill so everybody knows where the truth is. Not hiding it, not apologetic about it, but being bold and letting our light shine. Peter says, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race. God chose you before the foundation of the world, is what Paul writes, so that in him we might bear good works, so that we would be transferred and rescued out of darkness and 
Peter here is saying, you are a chosen race. You are set apart. In the same way that God chose Abraham back in Genesis, Abraham of the Chaldeans, Abraham who worshipped false gods, Abraham who knew nothing about the true God, knew nothing about the word, uh, God chose him and blessed him that through him and his descendants, the nations would be blessed. And that blessing for the nations is Jesus Christ. And now we have been grafted in to this family is what God, is what the scriptures tell us and what the apostle tells us in the opening part of John, that you are children of God and Jesus tells us to let your light shine. And so Peter reminds us that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, not just any kind of priesthood, but we are priesthood for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is who we serve. So we are royal priests in this room, men and women alike. That is our calling. That is our duty. We are a holy nation. We are no longer Americans. We are no longer uh, associated with any country on this earth. We are associated with the kingdom of light. Our nation knows no borders. We have members of our nation, citizens of the nation of the kingdom of God all over the world. In open countries like America and closed countries like Afghanistan, where they will kill you just for being a Christian. But we have citizens of the kingdom of God all over this world. That is our identity. And as such, we have been chosen, made into this royal priesthood, made into this nation. We are a people for God's own uh, possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just as John the Baptist bore witness about Jesus, that all may believe through his testimony, we too must be like John the Baptist and go out and declare the truth of the light. Look at the light. Behold, the true light has come and his name is Jesus Christ. That is our calling. That is what we remind ourselves by lighting the Advent calendar by lighting the Advent candles, doing the Advent calendar, doing anything like that to remind ourselves what the true purpose, not just of December is, but of our lives. And that is Jesus Christ. If you are here and all of that sounds weird to you, come and talk to me. Love to talk to you about that. If you say, I don't really know anything about Jesus, Come and talk to me. I want to talk to you. And if you say, I want to be a light, how can I be a light? Come and talk to me. So come and talk to me, Denton, Robert. We would love to talk to you about these things in more detail. Let's pray.